Hi, this is Kyla Martin with Kyla Martin Coaching. And if you want to create an impactful kingdom business, you should be listening to the Eternal Entrepreneur Podcast with my good friends, Joe Newton and Piers Brantley. Eternal Entrepreneur, we believe faith comes by hearing, and so do business skills. You'll hear powerful stories and strategies to grow your business, directly from Christian leaders who have done it all before. Catch us on Mondays for lunch breaks, our bite-sized business series, and twice a month on Fridays for faith-inspiring interviews. Hello and welcome back. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Eternal Entrepreneur. I'm Pierce Brantley, along with my co-host, Joe Newton. And we could not be more excited to share a conversation with Kyla Martin. Kyla helps you create the career and life you imagined by discovering your zone of genius while charting an action plan to pursue your dream life. Prior to her creating her coaching practice, she spent 25 years in corporate companies where she helped others uncover their destiny. Kyla, it is so good to have you on today. Welcome to The Eternal Entrepreneur. Thank you so much for having me. What a blessing to be here with you too. Well, we usually like to jump in the episode with giving a little context about our guest journeys into entrepreneurship. And I know yours especially is a valuable one because you both went on this journey from corporate America into owning and operating your own business. And now you're helping others do that similar journey. Can you kind of tell us how did this end up? Was this something that you knew you wanted to be an entrepreneur from the time you were young? Or is it later in life that you decided to, to make this jump? Yes, such a good question. Absolutely not. I did not know any entrepreneurs. We, we were not a, a family of entrepreneurs. My parents uh, both grew up in more traditional vocational families and so I definitely thought that entrepreneurs were born and not made, and, and I was not born to be an entrepreneur. So it was really whispers that God had just continued to put on my heart and even through others. I remember probably in my mid-30s, I was working in corporate America. I was at the pinnacle of success as a speechwriter and coaching executives and some of the most well-known companies in the world. and But I knew something was missing. There was a greater calling I could never put my finger on. And my sister was actually the first one who said, have you ever thought about coaching full-time? And that was one of the, the whispers. I started putting them together with other whispers. I'd always been interested in psychology. I wanted to actually major in psychology, but we didn't, again, you don't know what you don't know. We didn't know anyone who'd majored in psychology who had gone on to that field. And that really starts to color your lens for a path that you can't see where that's going. But it's interesting because the whispers had been there all along. And I, in graduate school, I took a lot of psychology classes. I was constantly giving my family personality tests, <laughs> which they loved. <laughs> and, and yet, I, again, I still hadn't connected the dots. And I talk about helping my clients uncover their zone of genius. That's not my term. It's from a beautiful book called uh, The Big Leap. And part of what this author talks about is that most of the world is functioning in their zone of excellence, which is things that they're good at, things they can continue to you know, find success in, uh, things that come you know, naturally to them, but not things that give them the feeling of, I would do this for free. I would do this in the middle of the night. I would do this if I had five minutes of extra time. This is always what I would be doing. I can't believe this is a job. And so I began to understand what that zone of genius was supposed to actually feel like. 
And it was a lot of the things that I was doing in my personal life for fun. I was always the person in my family who everyone asked to look at their resume. And I would look at their resume and always have the same reaction, which was, I want to help you better connect the dots with what you're really supposed to be doing. And the resume to me was a symptom of what they, they were looking for a different job or a different company. But in reality, when we got to the truth, it was always, they were in the wrong thing. Most of them were in their zone of excellence. They weren't in their zone of genius. And so all of that started, when I look back, it started very early and they were whispers that were scary, that I didn't have context for, that we didn't have a path forward for. And so it just kept pushing them down. That's what led to the, a very foundational moment was when uh, my then boyfriend, now husband, we went to a conference at Gateway uh, Church in the Dallas area called ID. And it was about finding your true calling in, in life. And it was so beautiful because it combined your spiritual strengths and strength finders. So the two pastors that lead it are certified strength coaches through Gallup, which I thought was such an interesting intersection. And they talked a lot about how we each had a very specific purpose that only we could fulfill, that God put a pursuit on our heart that we were the only people on the planet that could do. And so you left the weekend with a basically a mission statement for your life. And it was really in that moment that I couldn't ignore this anymore. And I knew that I had to start moving in the direction of coaching. And it really started with maybe I find a coaching job with a company. But as I started that process, what I realized was the gifts that God had given me were really the formation of my own business. They were, I I couldn't necessarily identify a job where I could put the pieces together. One of my passions is creating and teaching content. My, my degrees, my undergraduate degrees in journalism. And I realized that, that I really wanted that to be part of the coaching practice was the teaching and applying the information because that's really where I've seen exponential success and change in my clients. Kyla, I think you mentioned something I'd love to go a little bit deeper on that is such a revelation, which is you mentioned resumes uh, almost being a symptom. And I know for many folks who are trying to transition, they want to transition and they're looking at their resume and saying, I have all of these things that say, maybe I can just move this into doing this for myself. But something about that gives me anxiety. Something about that is a little bit sort of soul killing. And I think that's really powerful. How did you recognize that the resume itself and the list of things I've done is almost symptomatic of something that maybe leading you to something else. I think one of my, one of my favorite quotes is seek first, understand. And so when I would start helping a family member or a friend with their resume, I always wanted to understand how did they arrive where they were? And then where did they actually want to go? Because I myself had faced so many of these questions that if I just get a different job or if I just have a different manager, if I just have a different version of what I'm doing, then I will find what's missing in my life. And so what I, what I often found during the resume process was I gave them a space to acknowledge what they really wanted to do. And in fact, I also found the same, I could give people the same space when I was managing people in corporate America. So I actually, behind the scenes, I often tell people things you get in tr- trouble for 
excuse me, can be some of your greatest strengths. And I was constantly trying to help people leave their jobs because I could tell that they weren't in the right thing. They were creating a, a, an acquired state throughout the day and their natural state was something very different. And the bigger the gap between your acquired state and your natural state, the more energy you have to put forward, the more exhausting it is. And I feel like that's what creates so much of the tension and frustration in our day-to-day lives. I actually think it's the cause of so much of that underlying tension that shows up even in the form of like road rage. I just, I feel like the pressure creates so much tension in someone's life that it starts to manifest in the way that interacting in the world. And so I think it was just holding space for that conversation and asking the question that no one had asked before, which was, what do you really want to do? And which parts of these jobs did you really love? And it was probably about that same time when I was starting to work on people's resumes that I also became really passionate about strengths, the strength finder assessment and really seeing that this person is naturally gifted in these areas. So why wouldn't they move more into those areas? You can become exponentially better at what you're already good at and only incrementally better at what you're not good at. And so why wouldn't we move you, you know, into, and then I realized they were really bumping up against all the things I was bumping up against, which was their fear, which was, I don't have a, I don't have context for this. I don't have a plan for this. There's, there's so much scarcity thinking that is, I think the work of the enemy to stay where we are and not pursue the life that God really intended for us. You mentioned that oftentimes the energy that we're putting into something, especially like in a nine to five, is different completely to how we approach building something for ourselves or even how we approach our days. And I think that's really significant because oftentimes when we transition into working for ourselves or into building something, especially if we're in a nine to five type of role, there's that angst because we know that there's freedom on the other side of it. We know that there is more control of our lives and even pursuing the things God has given us oftentimes mm-hmm. to go do those things. But you have almost a dualistic mindset where you're thinking, I have to approach what I'm about to go into the same way I've approached what I'm going into. And that creates some of that scarcity mindset and the anxiety that you just mentioned. So I'm curious. So when you help people discover that, is it is it like shackles coming off? Do they go do a dance around the cubicle sort of thing? What what is it? I imagine for many people, it's very transformative and freeing. Yeah, and I think when someone first gives you that idea that <clears throat> there is a path to the freedom, because when we're sitting in corporate America, what we think is, I have to jump off the cliff. I have to quit my job. I have to do something that's one eight. And I feel like one of the, the things that God has really helped me give people, and, and I use it myself, was bridges to where you are and where you're going. And for me, that, that was in the form of, I did a lot of consulting work in between, and I still do consulting work, in between leaving corporate America and then creating my own business because it did provide financial security. And honestly, it also was an inroad to additional coaching business. So I think giving people a view into things that they hadn't, you know, necessarily thought of, like 
the amount of consulting work that's out there, which is enormous, by the way. But corporate America is not telling you that because to some degree, they need you to stay in your lane. And so I think that giving them a pathway that helps them feel safer can be the difference between sort of their idea in their head of I have to jump off the cliff to this can be a transition. And and it takes continued understanding of what's happening in their brain that we're so primal and on a primal basis driven to efficiency and seeking pleasure and avoiding pain that all of those things start to bump up against our dream life. And so we have to help them understand what's happening in their brain and then how they can move through that. And then certainly how they can continue to listen to all the whispers along the way, because that is, that's the ultimate co-creator. I'm a vessel, but a co the master co-creator is, is out there for you to continue to listen to. And for me, the more that I spend time in quiet reflection with God, the more that I, I am given some of those steps and in even encouragement that you are on the right path. You just need to continue being you. I've given you all the gifts you need to do this. But I think it's a process of continuing to relearn because it's so much of our mindset in corporate America is you follow the rules. There's processes in place. There's guardrails in place. And, and when you're a solopreneur, so much of that you have to create yourself. I've become really involved with the Women's Entrepreneurial Alliance because they have provided a lot of the foundational areas that I didn't have expertise in, legal, things like that. And so I think partnering with obviously the Holy Spirit, other people, potentially a coach, an organization, a mastermind along the way can really help you with the other areas of entrepreneurship that you may not have exposure experience. And you can really walk that in, in partnership, which is so powerful because let's face it, solopreneurship is, it can be very lonely. And I think it's incredibly important to find community, uh, like-minded resources for that community to, you know, help you walk in a place that is going to serve your business, but then also partnering with people who bring expertise in other areas so that we can all stay in our zone of genius. Because for many solopreneurs, that's why they went into their own business. Freedom, flexibility, right. but also being able to really stand in the truth of what they were put on this earth to do. And I think solopreneurship, sometimes you can become distracted by, I need to learn this area or that area. And having awareness in those areas I fully believe in partnering with experts so that you can really stay in your lane is also incredibly powerful. It's very powerful. And something powerful that you mentioned was when you're in corporate America, you mentioned the kind of the consulting work that's out there and the massive amount of opportunity that's there. So often we think that when we move into something new, when you're going up the ladder, it's a very performance mindset type thing. Am I moving to the next rung? Am I moving to the next rung? You mentioned finding a quiet time and space to let the Holy Spirit tell you how he sees you. That's so important because you're not working from a perspective of what's the next rung. You're working from a perspective of identity mm -hmm. and you actually get more done that way. Mm -hmm. You actually are a lot more effective 
that way. Your impact is a lot higher because you are resting in your gifting. You're not trying to kind of retrofit yourself into getting somewhere a little bit farther. And so I really appreciate you saying that because I think it's, I think it's something we miss out on because we're so quick to just jump into the lane, hit it hard, go after it, go and try and make this thing happen partially from a place of anxiety or place of lack. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is we burn ourselves out doing our own thing because we're not actually operating from a place of rest. And I just, I really value you articulating that for those who are struggling or they're looking to step into this for the first time, you mentioned community being a great thing. I'm curious, what are some of the pitfalls? Because I know you understand psychology and everything so well. What are some of those things that we naturally fall into that you've seen with your clients that are things maybe we don't even recognize that we're doing that can be barriers to helping us succeed. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was mentioning, I was listening to one of your earlier podcasts with Jeremy and he was talking about sometimes when we, we move into something and it doesn't work out the way we thought it was. And we say, we didn't hear the Holy Spirit. That was, that <laughs> I must've been wrong about that. And I think that's where rest is so important because that's when we really can hear that direction. Sometimes it's confirmation, right? Sometimes it's encouragement because your, our brains love always and never because it's tr- our brain's trying to be efficient at all times because back in the day, if we got too tired, we may not be able to go get food. Our brain is just very wired for these biological primal urges. And so your brain is always going to offer you that you need to decide black or white where something is going. And in reality, it takes time to really uncover and try things out. And so I think for me, creating some safety with the consulting gave my brain some space to really sit with and really listen to where the Holy Spirit wanted me to go because I wasn't sort of in that scarcity or fear, which particularly for women, fear and anxiety really shows up for, I think that's really how the enemy uses, uses that terror for just stay, stay where you are. And I think a, a pitfall can be making that making, I tried something and it didn't work out, making it mean that this is all, I should just go back to a job in corporate America, which is certainly for my clients who are considering transitioning a lot of them get nervous and go back to a full-time job for a period of time. I did the same thing. I was on my own for about a year and then I got scared and stopped listening to the and just let that primal fear take over. And I went back and the day I got the offer, I knew I'd made a huge mistake. I hadn't even started and I knew I'd made a huge mistake. And I thought, okay, this made a commitment. I'd signed a contract. And so I decided I was going to use that year and really, again, it's going to give me some financial stability and I'm going to use that year to continue to expand what the Holy Spirit is putting on my heart and how my business was going to be structured, what areas I really wanted to be focused on. So I think fear, I believe fear is the one thing that separates us from the life that we imagine living. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping people understand where our fear comes from and knowing that it's going to be there and that's okay. And I think, especially for women, sometimes it can feel like our intuition, which can be confusing, but our, what I always tell my clients is you're, because the vast majority of my clients are women, 
your intuition will always serve your vision, your sort of longer term whispers that God has put on your heart. And then fear will always sound like you can't do that. You're not enough. This may not work out, right? All those things. And that's really how you can differentiate, which can be, again, some unlearning that we have to do. Because I think for women, we rely on our intuition so much that we really have to discern when it's intuition, when it's fear, when it's the Holy Spirit. And again, for me, I find the quiet time is when I can really discern that better. And when, for me, it always starts with kind of a little tap and then it becomes louder and louder. And that's how I know this is really where I need to keep going. But I think just knowing that fear is going to come and that's okay is probably the thing is the game changer for someone considering walking out on their own. And it's certainly something that is, it's always with me, but now I look at it as almost like a third party. Like I see you fear and, uh, and I know that you think you're trying to protect me, but there's not a tiger chasing me. So I see you. And if there's some lessons, I'll always be open to those, some watch outs. But for the most part, I don't need you anymore. And, and, and that ultimately builds a habit. You can build a new neural pathway in your brain for a new habit. And eventually you can quiet it because it becomes a habit of, I see you, but I, I don't really need you anymore. I, I love your example there, just from your own life, as far as I made the wrong decision and that was okay. Because that verse, God turns all things to good to those who love him. I think that's so important, especially when viewing it from the point of an entrepreneur, solopreneur, that one, it's it's okay to fail. And two, you're going to fail. <laughs> you're going to fail a lot. I Looking back at so many examples of successful entrepreneurs, I, I feel like all of them are their stories are lined with two bankruptcies. Yes. I, I lost the farm. I did yes. this. But the difference is, is that they continue to get back up on the horse. So what, mm-hmm. what's that proverb? Though a righteous man may fall X number of times, seven times, 70 times, something, fail a lot. He always gets back up. And, and I, I think that's such a good example that, quote unquote, you made the wrong choice, you failed, but you said, how can I make the most of it? How can I now go back and partner with God Mm -hmm. to turn this to good? Absolutely. And I learned so much that year. We worked really closely with an incredibly cutting edge consultant. And I spent a lot of my time watching them and, and really understanding how they communicated their value, how they provided value and, and I looked at myself as I'm a consultant within this organization. I became a lot more open about when I would be on a conversation with someone that was work-related and they gave me an opening for, oh, this isn't what I really want to be doing, which you'd be surprised how many times that happens on business calls. Oh, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, I did this. Oh, is that your, tell me more about that. And those ended up becoming some clients. So yes, God does use everything. And And I think it's all part of our story. My clients need to know that I felt fear and I made a decision that wasn't ideal, but it still served me. And so as they sometimes take, you know, one step forward and two steps back, that's okay. We're just going to keep, we're going to keep going and exploring and everyone's journey is their own. Their timing is their own. And, and I think that's for, for entrepreneurs, that is the greatest lesson is that you 
there is no playbook for this, right? Where each of us, we can all try to find a magic bullet following someone else and, oh, their success story was this, so I'm going to follow what they did. But in reality, people want to work with each of us because of who we and the approach that we take, and that's no other. So the only person who can create that journey and that experience with our business is us. And I think the more we stand in that truth, the more the, and I, I don't call anything failure. I call it learning. There's more information now than I had yesterday. So all of that learning serves us in some way. And, and God does use everything for good. And, and I will say, God cast a really clear vision on the heart of my now husband and I for his business and my business. And, and the days that I feel scared, I just think about that. I think about God cast his vision for a reason, and I'm just going to keep following it. I don't exactly know how we're going to get there, but he does. And so I'm just going to stand in that faith and try to be still and, and hear where he wants me to go next. One of uh, the things that I've done in my own life, because I'm, I'm a hyper analytic person, very analytical, but I do have a relationship with the Holy Spirit as well. And one of the things I've had to learn with this type of journey is we, in business, you talk about being like data driven, right? And how important that is. And it really is important, even though sometimes you don't understand what that means. But uh, what I've realized is that when the Holy Spirit tells me something, when he gives me direction, and I can distinguish that from my intuition, I am actually being data driven, because he knows better than I do. And I can count on that data point. For me, I know that sounds like it takes all the intimacy and the relationship out of it. It doesn't. It creates a lot of trust yes. that when he says something, that is something concrete. I might as well put it on a dashboard because he said it. Yeah. And I can follow that really clearly. My own intuition, on the other hand, is actually only informed by all of the, the things in my peripheral that I think my subconscious is telling me. As strong as it feels, it doesn't actually lead me forward like he leads me forward. And so I don't know, it, it's a hack that, that really works for me when I'm thinking about going on my own journeys. Yeah, no, that's so good. That's so good. I think we're in the process of building out this land for my husband's business. And there, there are days when I think, what, how is this going to work out? But I, again, we just keep following the vision. And sometimes the vision, all of the house steps are not necessarily in there. And you try some things and you, try, you ask for some more guidance, but I think when you have the vision of where you're going, then you know that it somehow it's going to work out along the way. And so I think it's whatever we all have. What I love is that we all have this very different experience with the Holy Spirit. Our, the things that I need to hear is very different from what each of you need to hear and my husband. And so I think it's whatever works for you that provides that encouragement, the sort of direction in whatever way, you know, that shows up for me, it's very much in the, the sort of encouraging whispers. And I often feel that the strongest when I'm in nature, that's when I feel the most connected um, to God. And so being on 26 acres now and actually living on our land is, I, I feel like there's the, the whispers are so much easier to access because there is so much more quiet time. Our life is so much simpler now. Uh, just being in a, a tiny house, having all this land to explore, and, and it just feels very foundational to the, the vision is right in front of us. We just are taking kind of the little steps every day to get closer to it. 
I'm curious when your clients come to you and you're first starting to work with them, is there a specific process that you take them through to define what their fears are or what specific steps that are they're going to need to take to make that transition? Yeah, absolutely. So most of my clients show up and they would tell you, I'm not going to leave corporate America. I just know I'm in the wrong thing. That's how, that's probably how they would present as it were. And so I always start them with, I have these pre-coaching session questions that I always ask. And it's a combination of getting to the root of their fear and then also uncovering their zone of genius. Because again, the vast majority of people are working in their zone of excellence and they become really good at it. And so they've received, there's a lot of affirmation. There's a lot of self-confidence in that. And so one of the things we have to do is acknowledge how we can use all of that, their journey up until now to, to be a continuation because a lot of my clients are like, well, I don't want to start over. So I would never start my own business because that's starting over. But as we do the uncovering and I ask them questions about what would you, what do you find yourself doing anyway? What do you get lost in? What's not on your to-do list? That's a really good question. What are you doing for, I'm scrolling psychology articles. That's what I'm doing. And I always give them a, an example of what that looks like. And then we can start to create the picture. And I always think of it like a puzzle. So they start to give me what's important to them. And that kind of creates the corners, right? Their, their foundational belief systems, what they want for their life bigger from a bigger perspective, right? Not just their career purpose, but their life. And then they start to give me some of the pieces of what they love to do, what people ask for help from maybe friends and family, what people ask for when they have to be something they're not. That's another really good question. So then we can start to see blue. We don't have the sky or ocean yet, but we, we just continue the uncovering. Then they usually get to a point where the rubber meets the road and they start to panic about how am I going to turn this into whatever, a career change or my own business potentially. And so then we get into what I call belief system questions. So we ask them, what were the messages you received growing up about things like money, entrepreneurship, financial security? All the things that kept them in probably their zone of excellence, the things that they're good at, but again, not what they were put on this planet to do. And that really starts to form the picture of what we're working with. Then we work on how we want to take those belief systems and decide whether they serve us or not. And if we want to beautifully, gently shed some of them. So they were all given to us with love and the greatest of intention as everything is given to us, probably out of fear from another generation. So my, my mom had a dad who was basically an entrepreneur and her life financially was very insecure. And so that informed, right? Being an entrepreneur can be financially insecure. So we want to extract what got them to here that's going to be an obstacle for their fear. And then again, almost take it out of the brain, put it on a plate and look at it and decide again, does this still serve you? Is this even true? And then we might create what I call some bridge beliefs. So is it possible that entrepreneurs can have a financially secure life? Is it possible? It's possible. And I see some other people out there and I'm sure they're unicorns, but so we start to create some bridge beliefs and then decide again, what would serve you? If you want, if you want, wanted to believe anything, what would that be? And then we start to move toward those. And then that creates some 
stability to, again, some of those belief systems that they have. And then again, we start creating some bridges, whatever that looks like, whether it's this is a side hustle or we're going to get some consulting in the meantime. But it's interesting because I never set out to become an entrepreneur and most of my clients won't either, but a lot of them end up as an entrepreneur because what they realize is they can combine all those beautiful zones that maybe there's not a traditional job for, and they can also create freedom and flexibility in a way that serves the other goals they have in their life, which is it just as important. We also spend a lot of time working on what do you want your sort of, I call them outcomes to be. So very much Stephen Covey, start with the end. So if we start with the end and then move backwards, then we know what steps to take. If we're standing here, we're trying to figure out the next 25 years, your brain is always going to try to stop you. The fear will become almost paralyzing. So I want to do this in a way where we're always um, being cognizant of where the fear is coming from and then what we can do to slowly create a bridge to the other side of fear. And again, just knowing it's going to be there and that's okay. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that's the reason to stop. When you talk about bridges and someone is made that decision to even with the presence of fear, move from the zone of excellence into that zone of, of genius is there ever, there may not be, but is there ever like a, a grieving period realizing that I've put a lot of energy into something that didn't necessarily articulate who God has seen me as, or even necessarily what I would find the most fulfillment from? Do, do you ever see that? Did, is there a processing pr- period or do you just throw off the shackles and and run forward? No, I think there's absolutely a processing period. And this is why I'm such a big believer in helping them to understand that this is all part of the journey, right? God knew this was going to be your journey. This is part of almost the plan of him using everything for good. And everything that that happened to you up until now is part of your journey, as part of your story, as part of your empathy and understanding for others because you walked in a similar journey. And it's also, I think so much of what we do, particularly when you're in a high function company in corporate America, you take for granted, just something simple, like being able to run a zoom call. And all of us take that for granted, but there's a lot of people out there that don't know how to run a zoom call. We found that out in the last year. So all the things that you take for granted that you learned up until now, you can use. And, and so we t- I talk a lot with my clients about the continuation. And there is, I think that there is creating some, some peace in that transition that does have to happen. Grieving ultimately you get to peace. But the more that we focus on that that is all part of the journey that led you up to, I would never have the passion I have for my business if I hadn't been on the journey I was on. If I had bumped up against, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. And in a pretty painful way, I, there was a lot of darkness that surrounded my transition. And a lot, I started to have all kinds of medical issues that no one could explain. And in reality, that was because there was this gap, again, between natural state and acquired state. So I was having to create all of this energy all day long. And then my cup was empty. And then I would, and then I'd have to, the cycle would continue. And I think acknowledging that transition is really important, but also knowing God is going to use everything and our journey is our journey. It's a broken world. 
we're all we're all doing the best we can. And it's it's that adage when you know better, you do better. And you're that aha whenever it came. Unfortunately, for most people that I work with, it came in a pretty dramatic way. In a, I get a lot of people that show up who have been laid off. That's my story. I had started my coaching business and I had a whole work back plan and I kept putting off when I was going to quit because I didn't feel safe enough with, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough clients, whatever. And then I got laid off completely unexpectedly. It was a shock. And, but because I had been working on this plan, I, w- I, I had some things in place that, that gave me a calm when it happened that I knew, okay, God had to push you in the water, <laughs> but now you're in the water. That's all that matters. And so it's funny because the day I got laid off, they offered me several other jobs in the company. I was like, why would I take another job? And my then boyfriend and husband was like, I think you should think about those. You still need a transition. And I just knew in my soul, God had put this mission statement on my life through that conference we went to. And I was so resolute in, no, this was all the way it was supposed to happen. And so I took my big fat severance, which I'm so grateful for. And that gave me, again, some financial security to continue to build and then started consulting and still got scared a few years later, but it's all part of the learning. And I think what you can pass on to the next generation, the pay it forward of the wisdom that you can bring. I love that the way he pushes us sometimes. And even I feel like I'm reminded of another mentor of mine who has a saying something along the lines of, what do you know that you're not wanting to admit to yourself? And I feel like that's a lot of what you're saying. It's like those little whispers have been poking at you for years and years. And then finally, God says, boot, (laughs) I'm going to help you step out of the boat. I'm just going to tip it over. and." It's a journey, but but we get there. Hey, I want to honor your time. We need to transition to our final five questions that we ask on on every episode. So we're going to jump in to those. So we have question number one. What are your top three must-read books, not including the Bible? And these can be business, family, spiritual, even your favorite cookbook. Yes. So three, I would say, that have been instrumental in my journey. Jesus Calling. Uh, first one, I think again, for women, enemy attacks us a lot with anxiety, fear, uncertainty, all those things. And Jesus calling is just such a beautiful testament to the, such a applicable way of looking at so much of the wisdom that God has for us. And it, it just, it, in a, in, in my darkness, Jesus calling when I was really in that transitional time. Jesus Calling was just such a, a refuge um, and continues to be. So I love Jesus Calling. You've heard me mention The the Big Leap. So another game-changing book for me to understand and give language to the difference between being really exceptional at something and then being called to something, which is what I feel like coaching is for me now. I feel like that is literally my calling from a faith perspective. We, we understand very clearly what a calling is. And then the third book that was really a game changer for me, and again, it was changing a belief system that entrepreneurs are not necessarily born. Most of them are made is a book called The Creator's Code. It was written by a Stanford researcher, and she looked at some of the top 10 entrepreneurs, well-known entrepreneurs, I mean, people like LinkedIn, the founder, the guy who invented Under Armour, walk-on football player at University of Maryland who sweat a lot. 
And it was really a, a competitive advantage if he could manage this better. So he started looking at material and found a seamstress in town. Here we have a billion dollar you know, company these days. So that book really helped me understand that the vast majority of entrepreneurs are just solving their own problems. And that's what I was doing. I was trying to figure out how I could use my brain to move toward the life that I had to the life that I wanted, which was always this dream life that I would picture as I sat in my corporate cube and stared out the window and thought about this life that I really wanted to have. And so that was instrumental in seeing evidence for, which I think sometimes our brain needs practical evidence for, <laughs> look at all these people who are just solving their own problems. They were not, they didn't set out to be entrepreneurs. So that could be me too. That's awesome. Those are three great, I, I love the eclecticness of all three of those. <laughs> Hitting the mind, soul, and sweat. <laughs> All right, question number two. You can send a note card back to yourself when you're first starting off on your entrepreneurial journey. What are the three pieces of advice you're putting on that card? Uh, the three pieces of advice. Number one, fear is always going to be with you. If, if I had known that from the beginning, I would have settled into it and, and known that it's just kind of part of the deal. No problem. Now it just sits there. Number two is enjoy the journey. I, I think as entrepreneurs, we, we can become very focused on the outcome, the progress, being able to see how financially this is going to work. And so enjoying the process is something that I continue to work on. I actually have a vision board for this year that says peace requires presence. And that is... I think as an entrepreneur, something that the more you can hear those whispers, create time of listening, of being still, that is where all the wisdom comes from. And the third one is, it was always supposed to be this way. At the beginning, I definitely had a lot of, oh, if I just majored in psychology like I wanted to, if I just started down this road, but this is the journey and this is why... I have the privilege of teaching people how to move because if I hadn't been on that journey, I wouldn't have that experience that I could give someone else how to transition. So it, it was all supposed to be that way. And all of, all of those, you know, pieces of the puzzle are, are still things that you, I think I continue to learn. So our wisdom continues, sort of the challenge of the wisdom continues to follow you and it, it becomes the next iteration. So I look at fear very differently than I did in the beginning, but it is interesting to think back. And I'm real big on using your future self to give you wisdom. There's a book about inter-mentoring and it's using what the three of us would call the Holy Spirit, but it is using all the wisdom that's already inside of you that, that God has put on your soul and, and just accessing that. Yeah, I love leveraging the Holy Spirit. And if you're going to partner with the guy who literally breathed into the dirt and someone jumped up, I, it's a competitive advantage we should probably take really take adv full advantage of both in the marketplace and in our quiet place. <laughs> Question number three, how do you define success for yourself today? Yes, it's, it's based on those outcomes I talked about. So I have five outcomes for my life. There is, there's one that's career purpose, which is helping people uncover and activate their purpose. There is a spiritual purpose to continue growing my walk with God. There is uh, one about marriage, which I wrote long before I got married to my amazing husband, continuing to grow our, our covenant 
journey together, our shared vision for a marriage and for the land that we have. I also have a, an outcome around helping my niece and nephew find their purpose. I don't have kids, but they're my kids. And it's been incredible to watch them in their uncovering and, and be, again, a, be a piece of the vessel toward that. And then continuing to grow in, in every sense of the word. I am one of my strengths is learner. And I love continuing to learn and curate information and, and make things understandable and accessible. That's a huge part of what I teach in my coaching practice. And so I define success by all of them. I used to, when I first started, be very focused on my business success. And then I realized I have four other outcomes. And I want to be intentional about spending equal time, but I want to focus on all five outcomes, not just one. And I think when you're an entrepreneur, it can become so easy to become tunnel vision with your business because it's like studying when you're in school. There's never an end until you take the test. And so for an entrepreneur, there's always something you're supposed to be doing. And I actually, for a while, I did this observation where I kind of color-coded how I spent my time just so I could see what for each of the outcomes, where am I spending time? And I was blown away at how much time I was actually spending in my business. And I realized I needed to to tip the scales a little bit more and focus on the other four. And so that's been a game changer and defining success and, and being at peace with success because it is, uh, it's five things. That's really good to have that reminder that, yeah, success should be a well-rounded metric, not just a, a one and, and done there. Unless you want the other parts of your life to, to fall apart. But. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. And we see that a lot. We know a lot of entrepreneurs who don't yeah. have a personal life, don't have any life outside of their business. So Yeah. No, that is a really good reminder because that is a danger that we all as entrepreneurs have. Tell me, and I know we went over this a little bit earlier on, but when times have gotten tough, what's kept you from quitting up to this point? There's a coach I follow and she has this concept called massive action and massive action is that you keep taking action until you get the result that you want, which was such a powerful thought for me because I think there is no playbook for what we're doing and there's going to be a lot of learnings along the way. And again, I'm just so grateful to God for casting such a clear vision on my heart and continuing to show me that vision on a daily basis, that is why I don't quit. And someone asked me recently, how did you know that this was really what you were doing? And it was the day that I turned off my job alerts. I, I didn't even realize I had them back up on. But then I had this thought that I'm not doing that anymore. I, I have my own business. So I think it's just continuing to know that learning and trying new things are going to be part of it. And that's what we signed. That's what we signed up for. And I think that's really powerful. It's very reassuring to know that because then when it happens, it, it, it's not quite as unnerving. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm thinking that the Spanish burned their boats, but in modern times, we turn off the job notifications. <laughs> question number five is what question should we have asked that we... I just want your listeners to know that if God has cast a vision on their heart, that all that's standing in their way is some leftover primal urges and that's okay. God is, God's continuing to, let's face it. He evolves our humanity all the time. We've seen that a lot in the last year. And so I think it's so powerful to just know that your, if, if God has cast a vision, 
the sort of primal urges you have aren't the reason to stop. Because when I talk to clients who have a passion for an area they're not pursuing, the world lost something that day, right? There's a purpose that they might go to their grave with, which breaks my heart because there is, there's such a beautiful gift that you've been anointed with. And so I just hope, you know, your listeners who feel that will grab a friend or resource, a community, an encourager to help them walk that path because standing in the authenticity of the truth of what God created you to be. I feel like I see the world in color now. I feel like I used to live in black and white and people would have told, said, Kyla's the biggest optimist, most positive person on the planet. This is a whole other level <laughs> that I experience daily. And I'm literally living my dream life that God intended for me all along. And, and I, I want that for everyone. So I just encourage everyone to take a small step, find a, someone to walk that with you because we need you. We need your gifts in the world. We need the, the anointing to be experienced. We all need all of the gifts. I, I feel like if we were all working in our zone of genius, there would be so much less tension, frustration, division, all the things that we see in the broken world that we live in, that that would become more in color. Well, that's awesome. T tell us for those listening who want to either learn more about your coaching or just get connected more to what you're doing, where can they find you? How can they connect? Thanks. So I'm at kylamartinconsulting.com. I offer six month individual coaching. And then I also have a course that I offer. I found with my clients that learning and applying was such a powerful way to continue their own evolution. So the course includes two sessions with me and then five modules, depending on if you're in corporate America, there's a course, or if you're already an entrepreneur, think you might want to be an entrepreneur, there's a course. So I have two different ones. And then I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, you can just search for Kyla Martin coaching. And then I also have a weekly video and email that I send out. So if you're interested, you can sign up for that under the inspiration tab on my website. Awesome. Kyla, thank you so much. It was an honor to have you today. Thank you so much. What a blessing. Thanks you guys for this extraordinary podcast. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, do me a favor and leave a quick review. When you do, it helps other entrepreneurs find this content and benefit from it too. See you next week.